good, good. All right, so welcome. We've been talking about the two parts of life and uh, want to continue on with that uh, tonight. And what I want you to do right now is if you've been seeing how many people have been trying to apply some of the two parts of life in their in their life good if you've been seeing testimonies i want you to be thinking about those testimonies of how you've seen that work or change or just how you've received better knowing that god is really his priority is to get his love to you right and if you have any questions about it, i want you to be thinking about that okay so in the two parts of life, what we're talking about basically is part one, God's priority is to love on us and to get his love to us. Now, he wrapped up his love in his son, Jesus, and when he became a savior, he saved us, and that saving was his love made manifest in our lives. And those ways that he saved us is he gave us eternal salvation, uh, he gave us, he delivered us, he restored us, he healed us, he provided for us, and he delivered us. Now, if you can pretty much input any problem that you got in one of those words that he saved you in, and it'll cover any problem you have. And that's why the name of Jesus is the name above every name, because through him, he solved all the problems. He solved them all. And, and that's the great thing. Now, in Jesus, what happened is God said, look, they've all messed up. We've all missed it. All humanity has just missed it. And he said, I don't care about that as much as I care about getting my love to them. And that's part one. He sent his love to us. And our job with his love is to receive it first because we can't love until we receive his love. You know, we love, in 1 John 4, we love because he first loved us, right? So when he first loved us, the only way that we can return and give part two, give love back to God, the only way we can do that is if we received it first. So the priority to God, even in, see, it's not that he doesn't care about what you do to love him back, which includes loving on other people. The priority to God is you can't do that. You cannot participate in part two, loving back on God and loving on people until you have received. And a lot of times in individual situations, we're trying to go about, you know, maybe doing what's right. But we have handcuffed ourselves because we've been bad receivers of his love, either because we were under condemnation or sin consciousness or because we didn't know any better. We thought that God's not going to love me until I love him. Well, that's not true. That's a lie straight from hell. He loved you before you ever even knew about him. He loved you while you were still being formed in the womb. He loved you when you were just a, a thought, you know, in his heart. He loved you. God loved you first. And in that is the power for everything in the kingdom of God to work. Now, the key to this really is the righteousness of God in Christ. That you are righteous. You are righteous. See, that's the key. When you understand that God made you right with him, all of a sudden, receiving his love becomes so much simpler. 
That's why we stuck, you know, we opened it up. We talked about the two parts of life, and we're going to go back to talking more about that. But in order for the two parts of life to work in us, we've got to make sure that we understand how can we receive his love. And the way that we receive his love is when he made us right. It's the gift of righteousness that opens up all these things. What are, you know, just to review, the gift of righteousness, it is a created place, position, and character, not what you do. Righteousness, the gift of righteousness from God is not what you do. See, that's the, one of the major deceptions that's been in the church for so long because they'll say, well, that's a righteous man. But what are they describing? They're describing a person who does all these right things. But see, you were righteous before you started doing all these things. That's what God said. When you accepted Christ, you became righteous just like that. All of a sudden, everything changed. And when you became righteous in the eyes of God, you had a right to receive his love, part one, in every area of your life. All of a sudden, now you can receive his love and be empowered then to live a holy life. But you don't live a holy life without the gift of righteousness from God first, receiving his love. That, that righteousness and his love empowers you to live out a life that's given to him. Without that, you're not empowered to do it. It's why when he had the adulterous woman come up to him, he didn't say, go and sin no more, and then I won't accuse you. He didn't do it that way. He did it this way. Neither do I accuse you. Now go and sin no more. Why did he do that? Because he was operating in this two parts of life. He was giving her part one. I love you. I'm not holding your trespasses against you. And when you received Jesus as your Savior, you were made the righteousness of God in Christ. This righteousness is a created place, a created position, and a created character that God has given you. Listen, is God's word, we've been talking about words on Sunday, is God's word true? When God says something, is it that way? And he said, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You're it, baby. I don't care what, what anybody else says or thinks. You're the righteousness of God in Christ when you accept God. So the devil can come and he can mess with you and talk to you all about everything you did wrong. And, and when you were snippy with somebody and when you cut that person off in traffic and when you, when you didn't give the penny back to the cashier or whatever, he can talk to you all about that. But that does not change your righteousness because God has declared it. And when he declared it, it was so. So he can talk to you about that, but you need to get back in the devil's face and resist that joker and be like, nah, nah. It's like, look, I may have missed it at some point, but I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, and I will not, I will not accept any more of your silly, stupid condemnation, devil. Thank you very much. That's the way we got to be. Amen? So what is righteousness given us? It's a creative place. Power is linked to righteousness. Not just power, but resurrection power. When God declared you righteous, us righteous, when God declared us righteous, that's when Jesus rose up from the grave. In our, in our righteousness that he declared us, that brought about resurrection power, and it will do the same thing for you today.
If you will understand your gift of righteousness, all of a sudden you will start to operate in a resurrection power, and it's almost hard to stop it. But we've had it stopped because we didn't know about that gift. Another thing is, it says that through righteousness we reign in life. Grace reigns through righteousness. Righteousness is the scepter of his kingdom. It's the, it is the standard of his power. Our maturity is measured by our knowledge of righteousness and our application of righteousness. Our maturity as a believer and as a Christian, Hebrews 5, it is measured by how much we operate in righteousness. Now, if you're hungry for the things of God and you want to mature in, in God, then what is that telling us? We need to learn more about righteousness. We need to know what this is talking about. It says, uh, also shows us that righteousness partners us with the Holy Spirit. This is part of the reason why power flows. If I was walking hand in hand with the Holy Spirit all the time, I'd start to see a lot more things if I'd just stay connected with him, right? Well, righteousness partners us with the Holy Spirit. That's why you start seeing some of this power because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and he operates through your righteousness by you knowing it and, and operating accordingly through the gift of righteousness. It partners us with the Holy Spirit. We move into righteousness by faith. In other words, in Romans 4, it shows us that we move into that righteousness by faith. So we need to apply our faith towards righteousness. We don't just need to uh, believe that God declared that, but we need to apply faith towards that gift of righteousness, to walk in it, to receive it, for it to manifest in us. Then we talked about righteousness is your foundation. You don't want to get knocked around. How many Christians, including yourself uh, and including me, have ever been knocked around by the devil? Right. And, and the reason is because we don't have a firm foundation. But in Isaiah 54, it talks about righteousness is the thing that establishes us. It's the thing that gives us a foundation that cannot be shaken. So we need to grow in this righteousness. And I want to visit one more place. Uh, we are trees of righteousness planted by the Lord. Let's go to Isaiah 61 and verse 1. Now just to give you a little bit of background, this is Isaiah prophesying about the coming Messiah. This is Isaiah prophesying about Jesus. Uh, Isaiah 61 1 he says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me and he has anointed me now over in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18 this is when Jesus gets up preaches his first sermon and he about gets you know stoned or thrown off the temple it's one of those where they got really mad at him because what he did was he basically stood up read this scripture and said today this is fulfilled this prophecy is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, what he said is, I'm reading about the Messiah, and I'm it. That's what Jesus did. And they were like, ooh, ooh, I'm, you know, fuses bursting all over, right? As, as the religious fuses were just breaking, just busting all to pieces, all right? But here's what he was doing. You need to understand what he was prophesying about. He was talking about the Messiah, and the Messiah was going to do something, and he was going to bring something to people. 
And I want to show you what he was going to bring. Because this is important. All this stuff we just said about the good stuff, the gift of righteousness does. All right. So verse 1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. That's some good stuff. If you're a prisoner, freedom's come, coming. If you're a captive, liberty's coming. If you're brokenhearted, that's going to be bound and, and broken off of you. If you're afflicted, he is anointed to bring you some good news. You ain't going to be afflicted any longer because the Spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus. Now, if you go over into John chapter 17, you see that he's talking and he's praying, and he says, uh, I think it's verse 18 and verse 20 are the two. He says that everyone, verse 20, I believe it says, that everyone that believes on me, this is who I'm talking about. Everyone that believes on me. So he's talking about every believer there in John 17. But I think it's verse 18. He says this, Father, the same way that you sent me, I send them. So that means if Jesus was sent in an anointing, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me and has anointed me. That means when you receive him, you abide in him, and he abides in you. He's in the Father, and the Father's in him. We are one. We are in that unity. That means that when Jesus was sent with an anointing to set the captive free, that means you're sent with it too. That means you are carrying an anointing. That means you are carrying this. Now, I'll just give you a clue about this verse 1 right here. This is the verse that God called me into ministry with. Well, I can guarantee you that thing is still active and alive on this ministry, and you're a part of this ministry. So this thing right here, this is special to you. This is special to us. Why? Because this right here is a rhema word for anybody that's a part of this ministry. Because this is on you. This is in us. This is a part of who we are. The Spirit of the Lord's on you. And everywhere you go and every person you shake hands with, you've got some anointing and it's flowing through you because this is in this ministry. This is who you are. There's a river of God flowing through you. And this verse right here talks all about it. Amen. Amen. Y'all quiet tonight. Make me want to get loud. Verse 2 says, To proclaim, the Spirit of the Lord is on him, to proclaim, this is more of what he's called to do, the favorable year of the Lord. In other words, hey, this is a, this is a year that it is favorable over in the uh, New Testament, you can see it a little bit more clear. It says, this is a good year to accept him. <laughs> this is a good year to accept him. It's a good year for you in Jesus. Well, which year was he talking about? The one you in right now. <laughs> Whichever one it is. Why? Because the anointing of God is on him, and now it's on you. This is a great time, is what it's saying. He says, the day of vengeance of our God now, what that's talking about is, hey, I want you to understand that God, he does have a side that will stand up and protect you and protect his loved ones. 
you know, a lot of people don't, you know, they don't really think about that, but he ain't one. It's like, could you imagine messing with God's wife if he had one, right? And we are his bride. Can you imagine that? I, I wouldn't, I don't want to. Well, he's got a side to him. He's a protector. And you mess with his kids, you mess with his bride, you don't mess with the wrong person. You don't want to do that. You do not want to do that. Well, this is what it's talking about. In other words, they're coming against you, they're coming against him. He's, it's a day where he stands up for you. This is what happens when the Messiah comes. He stands up for you, right? Amen. That means good stuff for you. To comfort all who mourn. You got any mourning going on in your life, you ought to read this verse and say, Lord, I receive comfort right now. I receive the comfort in any area of my life where I've been mourning. This is what Jesus brought, and you're a part of it. Verse 3, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes. In other words, he's given them something to praise over instead of ashes that are so dull and dreary. In other words, if you've got, uh, let let put this verse up in the King James, please. Isaiah sixty-one three in the King James. If you've got on a garment of heaviness, a garment that's just weighing you down, this is this is the verse where it says, "You put on a garment of praise." In other words, he, gives, he is bringing about when the Messiah comes and he's a part of who you are, this is when you put on praise for the spirit of heaviness. In other words, what we're saying is this. When Jesus comes, has Jesus come? Yeah, he's talking about you then, right? In other words, when Jesus comes, whether you recognize it or not, you got something to praise about. You might not can see it. This is exactly what we were talking about on Sunday morning. You might not can see it. You might not can feel it. But when Jesus comes, there is no question. You got something to praise about and give God glory for. And when you're feeling the most beat down and the most just beat up, that's when you need to say, I'm getting this heaviness off and I'm putting on praise on purpose because I know God's being God over in the spirit realm. He's bringing about good stuff. So, amen. He says, To grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. All this stuff is done. It's just that the determining factor is whether or not you choose to put it on. It's all done. It's all done. You can have right now gladness instead of mourning. Right now, you can have a, a praise instead of heaviness. You can have that right now. That's already done. It was finished with Jesus. It's yours. The only thing holding it back from you is a choice in your head saying that I'm going to stand up in it and be it. That's it. Because it's already done. The mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. And then right here. He's talking about us. So they will be called oaks of righteousness. So what, we're, what are we talking about? He planted a seed of righteousness in us. And now you, us, we are called the oaks 
of righteousness. We're not talking about something that just moves with every breeze that the devil tries to blow. We're not moved by everything else. In other words, we have a strength that is so strong. Why? Because we are planted in righteousness. It's the gift of righteousness that gives us a backbone to not fall down, to not be moved by every wind of the devil, every wind that the world throws at you, every breeze, even the strong storms. We're not moved because we're, we're planted on good ground, solid ground. We are, we are in him, abiding in him. Our roots, our foundation is in this righteousness. This gift of righteousness will hold us firm. It will cause us to stand fast. It's that gift of righteousness. And it will also produce fruit. You are strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You are strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We are strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Because we are the oaks of righteousness. This was, this was prophesying at this time. But now this is your reality. This is our reality right now. This is, listen to this. This is not you planning yourself. Look at what it says next. You are called. They will be called. Notice this. This is not just you declaring it over yourself. This is other people looking at your life and saying, My Lord, they are an oak of righteousness planted by the Lord. It's who they are. God said, Watch me plant Sherman. Watch me plant Jeff. Watch me plant Tara. Watch me plant every single person that is in the kingdom of God, that is a Christian. Watch me plant them and watch them become oaks of righteousness. And people will look on and say, look at that strength. That's a planting by the Lord. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified see the god's plan for us is not to be blown around not by every doctrine not by every you know fiery dart the devil throws at us not by every entangle entanglement of the word not by besetting sin we're not to be defined by any of that or even moved by any of it we are to be standing so strong that people look on and say man they just cannot be moved in god that's amazing I want strength like that. God has planted them. God has set their feet on solid ground. God has given them a foundation and an establishment. And then they say, Lord, I just praise you for what you are doing in those people, in us. I just praise you that he may be glorified. That people can look on our lives individually and corporately and say, man, praise God, would you just look at what God's doing in them? That is awesome. Would you look at that? Carrying on. Now listen, he's, uh, turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. All right? Amen. Good. <laughs> Verse 4. We are talking about you. We're talking about us. It's us. This is who we're talking about. All right, you are oaks of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Then they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up 
the former devastations. They will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. We, we're, we're in a time right now where our generations have just been like boom, 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 down, down, down. And right now, it's time for us to be planted by the Lord. And, and to bring about some of this desolated areas that do not have the life of God in them. And it says these are the people that recognize this, that are planted by the Lord, the oaks of righteousness that will rise up and say, uh-uh, we are repairing these generations. We are taking back these desolate ruins and we are turning them into the glory of God again. This is who you are. This is who we are. This is who we are. Turn to the other neighbor and say, he's talking about you now. <laughs> Verse 5, strangers will stand and pasture your flocks, and foreigners will be your farmers and your vine dressers. What he's talking about here is you're not the one doing the work. We're not the one doing the work. It's not us. Why? Because the Lord has planted us. And there's a fruit coming up. There's a provision. There's a blessing. There's a favor. And all of a sudden, I can't do everything that God has put in my hands. I got to have people to help. I got to. Because the favor of God has overflowed in our lives so much. This is what the oaks of righteousness are. These are the things that people will say, man, they are planted by God. Let me give glory to God for this, this is fruit. Verse 6. But you will be called the priest of the Lord. You will be spoken of as ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth of nations. And in their riches you will boast. He's talking about us. You're the oaks of righteousness. We are the planting of the Lord. This is in righteousness. See, we're not planted. We're not planted in uh, necessarily in mercy. We're not. All these things are good. We're not necessarily planted. Notice it doesn't say planted in grace here. What does it say we're planted in? The righteousness of God. Because we are righteous. See that righteousness. When we became righteous, it gave it empowered grace to go to work for us, and grace starts bringing about this fruit. But it's the planting of righteousness. That makes that happen. It's the gift of righteousness. That allows part one. God's love. To come on you. Verse seven. Instead of shame. You will have. A double portion. And instead of humiliation. They will shout for joy. Over their portion. Therefore they will possess. A double portion in their land. Everlasting joy will be theirs. Everlasting joy will be yours. It's yours. Planted by the Lord. Oaks of righteousness is who you are. See, when we start to understand what God has done, then we, we start to realize, man, there's nothing holding his love back from me. There is nothing holding his love back from us nothing all it is is either knowledge about it or you making a decision to receive it there's nothing holding his love back 
He's paid the price for it all to be released. The word tells us he's not withholding any good thing. He's not withholding any of it. We are oaks of righteousness, the planning of the Lord. It's who we are. It's who we are. When we walk in that, all of a sudden, his love, when we start getting in that place, all of a sudden, his grace is allowed to work in ways that are just beyond our comprehension, things we can't even see, and all of a sudden, just the goodness of God, it's following us. It overtakes us. Remember the blessing? It overtakes us. It makes us be the head and not the tail. It makes us to be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. It makes us to be the lender and not the bar. It makes nations uh, put, you, put you on high. It makes nations uh, to exalt you. It makes nations bring their wealth to us. See, we need to be applying faith towards this. How do you receive righteousness? How do you walk in it? How do you move in it? You apply faith toward it. This is why faith is the victory that overcomes the world because it connects you to the gift of righteousness that Christ has provided. That's, that's part of the link there. Amen? Amen. So who, that's all we'll, I'll, I'll, all on the notes tonight, we'll talk some more, but who's been seeing and applying this um, in their lives and seeing Results. Who's got a testimony? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so so cool. tell me quickly. Yeah, it'll be quick. The first part, because God loves me, yes. loves us, and that love is healing, right? Yes. Well, last night I was losing some sleep over my stomach, really getting, you know, sharp pains and just yeah. swelling and feeling bloated and all that stuff. For just out of the blue, I was in my sleep, so I woke yeah. up to feeling this. And so, and so I'm losing sleep because I'm losing sleep and not realizing that I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing. And then I'm like, what am I putting up with here? Right. And so I received the gift. Right. And then I was like, okay, I need to apply this right now. So I said, Lord, I know I'm already healed. And yes. you took it away. So, and then I can work. <laughs> and it just went away. Praise God. Oh, That's sorry. exactly it. Who else has a testimony over here? Run, Barrett, run. <laughs> So the highlights. Yes. <laughs> when we went to the Ag Center, yes. Um, the first table we went past Boomerang, a lady looked at me and she said, are you an artist? <laughs> and I said, yes. And she put a brochure in my hand. She says, I want to give you a grant for $2,000. Just fill this out and we're going to review it and we're going to help you get whatever you need to do some art. And I was like, okay, Hallelujah. that's awesome. So I filled <laughs> it out today. Yeah. And it's in, so be praying for me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then we won a basket of goodies. That's right. At the fair. Yeah. And today I spilled boiling hot soup on my hand and I prayed over it and it's not even red. It doesn't Hallelujah. even hurt. Amen. I know, I know. And I won a Kindle fire today at the library <laughs> and a cookbook favor of God, which is the grace of God, which is the love of God. Amen. Amen. That's good. Anybody else? Testimony. 
Have you been trying to apply it? How have you been seeing it? Have you been watching for this in your actions? Have you been watching for the two parts in how you live life? How many people, how many parents have uh, gone from correcting their children first to showing them the love that helps them go to that? Amen? You've been seeing results from that? Yep. Good. Yep. One of the joys of business is dealing with people. What? (laughs) (laughs) And people in this day and age can get so upset over the least little bitty things. And so I've had several opportunities lately to... (laughs) enjoy the experience of dealing with folks who are I'm really enjoying your wording (laughs) a little upset but you know if you come back at them at the level of anger frustration right maybe even fear yeah if we can go that far that they come at you with it never really ends well but what I'm purposing myself to do is to just love on them yeah and, you know, let them fuss a little bit and then love on them some more. And if they fuss more, love on them some more. Right. By the time the conversation's over with, I'm like, they're like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean. Yeah. And it's like, what just happened? You know, and, and, yeah. and you kind of get out of the way and let God yeah. into the thing. And it just kind of diffuses. And that's yeah. happened probably three times in the last two weeks. Amen. Um, it's just really cool. And I just encourage other people to, you know, it, we gut react yes. to, to somebody. <clears throat> you know, you want to. Yeah, buck oh, up. No, and, you yeah. didn't just talk oh, yeah, to me yeah. like that. <laughs> and uh, but you don't have to do that. You can take yeah. a step back and say, God, wh- give me words, Amen. give me actions. Let let what I say, let what I do be be yours. Amen. And and just love on people. And man, crazy crazy good results. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Um, one of the things, be thinking of any questions that you have um, right now. But one of the things, what I like what you said, Priscilla, is. See, a lot of times what we do is we try, we have a problem come up, and then we try to go and solve that problem in our power, in our logic, in our um, provision, so like um, with our means. So in other words, like if we need, you know, let's say you had a problem come up that cost you money, and then you have that money in the account. Well, I'd just go pay for it because I have it. No, no, that's not necessarily what you should do. First, you want to see, Lord, how do you want me to handle this? Because, see, a lot of times we're handling stuff just like we're handling problems with our logic. We're trying to handle it with all of our resources because we don't understand part one, God's love towards us, and we don't understand I have a right to ask God for this. You know? So we need to ask, Lord, how do you want me to handle this? The same way is like, for instance... Uh, when I was a few weeks ago down in Texas and I was sitting there and uh, I was uh, having just, man, my back was just hurting. And I mean, it was so much so that I could not think over anything. I like, they were in worship and I was having a really hard time worshiping because it was just getting all of my attention. And it, it was going on for about 15 minutes before I was, you know, just really like, wait a minute, hold up. You know, I was like, and, you know, we've been talking about this. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. This thing is illegal to be here. It has no right. And Lord, I'm not coming to you saying that I'm 
that I've been perfect. I'm coming to you saying what you told me I was. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I have a right to this stuff. And Lord, right now, all I'm doing is I'm just accepting part one. You've, I know you've given it. I know it's a fact. I know it's truth. And Lord, I'm just in my righteousness through Christ. I'm receiving your love. Lord, I receive your love. And over the next two minutes, it went down to nothing. And it, and it was like all gone. I was like, hallelujah. But it comes back to knowing that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ and that gift of righteousness. Knowing that God's priority is part one. Well, you know what that helped me do? That helped me love on him and love on other people better. In other words, he wanted to get that to me so that I could operate at fullness the way I was supposed to and the way we are designed to do. That's, that's it, and that's how we need to apply it. Did you? I had a testimony. Um, so I now teach kindergarten, uh, and ki kids should just really do church and for us. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really awesome. But Amen. something that I have been trying to be diligent about in the classroom is getting the love of God to the kids, period. That's yes. what I want. That's really all I want. And so something that we've been talking about is this, but in kitty format. Right. So they've, they're taught God loves you. You didn't have to do anything for it. You don't need to do anything for it. God loves you because he loves you because he loves you, period. Right. And so over the last five weeks, I've had kid after kid after kid that petty as it is so and so took my crayon so and so looked at me weird so and so pushed me in the bathroom whatever and the moral of the story keeps going back to okay well have you done mean stuff before to god accidentally or on purpose well yeah well what's god do to you loves me okay so what should you do to them i should forgive them huh and it's done and over with just yeah. like that and so today i listened to one kid come up to me and work it out for themselves without me having to say anything Amen. so and so pushed me into the desk but i've done bad stuff okay i forgive you and just having it work <laughs> right out you know and it's awesome because it took yes. them five weeks yes. and it's taken me 27 years <laughs> but we're I mean, it's awesome. I know. <laughs> Yay. But how awesome is that? You know, like yes, that's what's yeah. there. That's what they're going to be able to work through yes. is God loves me. I love other people, whether or not there's an apology, whether or not it's right or wrong. So childlike faith. Yeah. God loves me. Then I guess I need to love God. Yeah. <laughs> It's really that simple. I mean, and see, we try to make it complicated, but a child's like, well, this is what he did to me, part one. Then I think I need to do part two. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> that's it. And that's how it empowers when they realize, man, this is what he did for me. Now it empowers them to do what they should do. And that's where church and religion's gotten in the way because we've tried to do it the other way around and messed it all up. And the reason we do that a lot of times is because we want to maintain control and or we really do want to help people and we think that's the best way to do it. Like if I could if I could just
talk you into reading your Bible for three hours every day, your life would change. So now I'm going to tell you, read your Bible for three hours every single day. Okay? Okay. Except that then becomes a chore and not relationship. So now he's not receiving the love. He's just trying to love without love empowering him. It becomes dull, boring, a task, and he'll never uphold it. And there's no life in it. And so then all of a sudden, that has that is religion, the spirit of religion. That's exactly what the Pharisees were doing, so much so that when Jesus stood in front of them, they had no idea who he was. Well, this is what happens when you get these backwards. But when you get them right, you, we wake up to who Jesus is and his goodness. And it's beautiful. But it just takes being a child that says, okay, all right, Lord, love on me. You know, I'll let you love on me. Look, say that. Just say that. I'll let you love on me. Did anybody have a little bit of a hard time saying that? If you had a little bit of a hard time saying, I'll let you love on me, will you just raise your hand and be honest with me? I, I might, yeah, I did too just while I was saying it. You know why? Because we've been taught the logic of religion of putting part two in front of part one. And see, that's what we're coming against. When you start to get that unraveled and loosed in your life with faith as a child, look, I'll just let you love on me. You know how hard that would be for a kid to say that? I'll let you love on me. They'd be like, no, nah, love on me, Jesus. Yes, yeah, amen. Yeah, yeah they, just, they just, they'll go jump in his lap. And we'll say, no, 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 don't bother him. Yep. Sounds like a Bible story. <laughs> he said, look, unless you have faith as a child, you are not going to enter the king's domain, the kingdom. And this is what it's all about. Part one, part two. Is there any questions about this? Have you anything whatsoever? You said something earlier, Chris. You sent me something. I saw it. What was that? I wanted to know um, more about uh, understanding righteousness and its connection to resurrection power. Okay. Um, first thing... Go to Romans uh, do go to Romans four twenty five. And I want you to think about this. Now there's pieces of this. Let me just say this out loud out loud and in public. There's pieces of this I don't yet understand. There's um there was one time I had something the Lord showed me. He said, there's something there. There's something there. Every time I'd read the verse, i go, there's something there. I don't know what it is, but I could feel it. You know, I could just feel it. And 10 years later, he gave it to me. Or let me put it this way. 10 years later, I received it. <laughs> that's, a little bit, that's a little bit more probably honest. <laughs> and, uh, but so there's something here that I'm still grabbing a hold of too, but I can give you what I know so far. Okay. So think about this. Remember when Jesus walked up to John the Baptist? And uh, Jesus walked up to John the Baptist, and he says, I need to be baptized. And John the Baptist said, 
I need to be baptized by you, right? But then Jesus said, let it be done to fulfill all righteousness, right? Okay, so there's a connection there to raising up from the dead and baptism and fulfilling all righteousness. Do you see that? All right. Now, I'll let your... I let the Holy Spirit help teach you and me, you know, what that is exactly. That's, I see part of it. I, I know I'm not seeing it all yet. But he's saying, hey, no, 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 this has to be done. This is why baptism is so important. It's part of it. There's a part of baptism. It's part of what's so beautiful. You ever watch the baptism and your spirit is just jumping, right? It happens to me every time, every single time. You know why? I think it's got something to do with this. There's a because what does baptism represent? Jesus' death and resurrection power, right? That resurrection power, all right. So that's what baptism represents. Well, that's connected by righteousness. There's a connection to the gift of righteousness that connects us to power. Part of it's got to do with connecting us to the Holy Spirit and partnering with it. Here in uh, Romans, it says this, verse 25, 425. He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. So this is saying Jesus was raised because of his justification. Let's put that in the New American Standard. Jesus was raised because of our justification that means he was raised back to life because we were justified this is very interesting not his justification uh, pastor tracy put it to me like this he said i always wondered you know what was it that got jesus out of the grave you know what why was it three days why not two and a half why not four why was it three days what happened what was the trigger what was the catalyst and he said, I found it. Now, let's look at this in the Young's Literal. It's in the notes. It, uh, I don't know if we have the Young's Literal translation there. But if you go to the boomerangchurch.org slash notes, go to two parts of life, it's in there. Young's Literal says this. Jesus, who was delivered up because of our offenses. All right. So, in other words, why was he delivered into the hands of captive and given to death? Our offenses. In other words, now watch, our offenses kept him down and bound. But then, and was raised up because of our being declared righteous. So when God said, all right, he said, all my people, they have been... They have had their offenses. They've had their sin. And Jesus took on our sin. Oh, my goodness, this is so awesome. Jesus took on our sin, and that sin put him in the grave. But when that sin was declared no more over us, he said, "Uh uh-uh, they are now the righteousness of God in Christ. 
No longer could those bounds, could that stuff hold him anymore. It was instantly released. There was no more bondage. The captive was set free, and power came to, to resurrect Jesus from the grave. That's when he got up out of the grave. So what he was waiting for was basically for the, whole, for the Father to say, I declare my people are righteous. And when he said that, all the offenses, all the sin, the power of it broke. Sin is broken. And it could not hold Jesus anymore. And the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit brought about in, in uh, Romans 8, uh, 11. It says the same spirit that, that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. How does he dwell in you? The gift of righteousness. And so, in other words, now put it to you like this. This is not the only thing, but... Put it to you like this. What would sickness be on your body for? To hold you down. Why would it be there? Because of the curse. Right? But as soon as we are declared righteous, that power is broken. It has no, there is no power there for it to stay any longer. As soon as, it, as soon as you were declared righteous, now see what will happen is, going back to the healing, going back to the healing, all of a sudden when you start realizing I'm righteous, this thing cannot stay. It must dissolve in Jesus' name. It has no power to hold you in lack any more than it had the power to hold Jesus down. Once we were declared righteous, there is nothing stopping the love of God. There's nothing stopping part one in whatever form, nothing stopping the power of the Holy Spirit to bring about life and life in abundance in our life. That's resurrection power. And it can manifest in finances, in your body, in deliverance, in restoration, in protection. It can manifest in any way. This is how miracles take place because resurrection is powered by somebody who understands the gift of righteousness in their life. And can't nothing stop that. I, yes, that was, that's actually where I would go with it. Pull that up, Ephesians 1.19. I think we actually touched on that earlier. I will have to verify, but I think I know what you're talking about. Yes. Yes. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of, not your might, but his might. His might, his power was in the Holy Spirit when it brought Jesus back to life. Okay. Get on my mic. Don't. That's all right. People are wondering what we're saying at home. So, so in the NLV it says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So it's righteousness yes. that is what we're talking about. Yes. 
And verse 20 is in, in the New American says the same thing. This power which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead. It's the same resurrection power. This is our inheritance. This is what Paul's talking about in this chapter. He's talking about revelation. You know, you go back to verse 15. He says, I pray this for you. Do not cease to give thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge in him, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So what Paul is praying right here is that we will get revelation of what he has given us as heirs to his kingdom. It's through the gift of righteousness which brings about that resurrection power. That's what that whole chapter is about, that we will receive and understand who we really are what we already have, what not what will be our inheritance, what is our inheritance. See, this is, and we're not talking about fivefold ministry. We're talking about believers. Every believer walking in resurrection power. All right. Then You go over to uh, Philippians 3. And verse 7. And it says, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ, more than I know I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. All right, now this is interesting because a lot of times they'll put Jesus Christ. Here they put Christ Jesus. Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. So what he's talking about is I count everything that is, that is valuable to me in this world, I count it as loss. I'm willing to give all that up in view of the surpassing, the value that is surpassed, the surpassing value of knowing the anointed one and his anointing in Jesus. Now, what's he saying right there? He's going back to Isaiah 61 that we started in, and he's saying, I give anything I have in my life, I can't, I'll give it away. I do not care about it compared to knowing about the anointing that was on Christ and passed to me. That's what he's saying. And then watch. He says, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I might gain Christ. All right, now, this is not just talking about just receiving salvation. This is talking about salvation, but it's talking about more than that. That Christ, the anointed one, Christ, his anointing. That I might gain the anointed one in my life. In other words, I might have access to him and his anointing. This is what he's saying. 
and I may be found in him. See, we've used this as a, as a scripture just talking about eternal salvation, but there's a lot more being said right here. And I may be found in him. In other words, he abiding in me and me abiding in him. His, let's, let me put it this way. His anointing abiding in me and me abiding in his anointing. Me, his power abiding in me and me abiding in his power. He's saying everything in my life, everything great, everything valuable, it's trash compared to this knowledge. It's trash. That I may be found in him, and how am I found in him properly? Not having a righteousness of my own <laughs> derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. So there it is again. You see the connection to the power of God here in righteousness? That I may know him. That means to have intimacy in him. To have a fellowship with him. That I may know him. And the... Look. Look, look at your own word. <laughs> look at it for yourself. That I may know him and the power of his re resurrection. See, when we... Move into, by faith, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Basis of faith, we move into knowledge of him. We move into an intimacy with him. And we move into the power of his resurrection. He's not just talking, he's not just talking about you being born again. He is talking about you operating, being born again first, but then continuing to operate in a resurrection power that you carry that river of life with you everywhere you go. And the fellowship of his sufferings, you know, nobody likes throwing that part in there, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. In other words, what, what he's saying is, look, it's going to have persecutions with it. You start preaching like this, the devil ain't liking it. And he's going to try and bring about persecutions. But what's he going to do about it? Take something from you that you care about? I care more about knowing Jesus and knowing his anointing than I care about the stuff in my life. See, when we get to this point, all of a sudden, what the devil can take from you, it doesn't matter to you anymore. It, it makes no difference. I'm not trying to grasp at it. I could care less. All of a sudden, the devil becomes powerless in your life because he's got nothing to hold you to a fear of, a fear of loss. And not only that, but even if he does try to get something through, you're just going to come back in the righteousness of God in Christ and resurrection power. Amen. But what he's saying is, Christ was willing, ultimately what he's saying is, Christ got to this place of moving into resurrection power by, willing, by being willing to give everything. This is not my life. This, this life is given to God however he sees fit. What are we talking about? Being all in. We're talking about why do I live? Why do I do anything? Because I love God. I receive his love. 
And now that's empowered me to love him back. Part one and part two. This is why the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that's built on the rock, the foundation of righteousness. So there's some more to the links of resurrection power and how it connects. And there's more. It's all over. I've seen it several different places since then. So that'll be all I'm answering for tonight. <laughs> Amen. Any other questions? Did you get something? Did you learn? Did you see the power in it, some of it? It's changing. It changes you, doesn't it? It's a, it'll, it'll change you. Father, we just thank you so much for your love. We thank you for your power. Lord, thank you. Oh, Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, by faith, in Jesus' name, by faith right now, Lord, your word says, if we confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in our heart, then by our mouth we have salvation, and by belief we have righteousness. Lord, right now, we believe you said that we were the righteousness of God in Christ. We say Jesus is our Lord. He's the director of our life. And right now, we believe that we are what you said, the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who we are. Right now, by faith, Lord, we receive that righteousness. And with that, Father, we receive right now a flow in the intimacy with Jesus Christ. Lord, let us have that intimacy. He abiding in us and us abiding in him. And resurrection power. Not to prove ourselves or to make a name for ourselves. But we are oaks of righteousness planted by the Lord. Planted by you, Father, so that you might be glorified. Let us walk in resurrection power and the righteousness of God in Christ so that you might be glorified. Lord, let those things happen right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Before we go, is there anybody that needs any part? If you need something in your life right now, whatever it is, healing, deliverance, provision, 